Welcome to our latest podcast with the Lion Trust Global Fixed Income Team. I'm Simon Hildry and with me is Phil Milburn. Hi Simon. Let's start with the ECB and the March meeting and statement. It's prompted a, a number of different interpretations. What's your view? Uh, thanks Simon. I think we should firstly start with what they've been saying. They've been saying that there will be no rate rises this year in the Eurozone, which is pretty dovish as expected and importantly, only vindicates the existing market pricing. Now, those that know me know that for a while I've been a conspiracy theorist and said that Draghi would love to raise rates before his tenure ends later this year. I don't think he's going to extend his tenure at all. It will end in autumnal time this year. And that is so that his central banking career epitaph can read something along the lines of solve the Eurozone crisis and start a path towards normalisation rather than it was a permanent dove always just throwing money at everything. Um, however, having rowed back now on their wanting to raise rates at some stage this year, um, it's going to be quite hard for him to change direction in time. But that's not really where the big issue was in the ECB meeting. Um, what was well flagged was TLTRO3, or to put that into English rather than central banking acronyms, it's the third set of targeted longer term refinancing operations. What these are are funding operations for banks in order for them to access cheap funding, in theory, to be able to lend out to companies within the Eurozone. In practice, a lot of the banks have used it just to buy peripheral countries, government bonds, and implement a carry trade. The disappointment here. Um, given that the existence of the TLTROs was well flagged, um, was the, the LT part of it, the longer term. There's going to be seven issues of this financing, but it's only going to be with a two-year maturity. And the market is generally disappointed that two years is not seen as long enough, a bit of a damp squid, and won't help boost economic growth and really help lending take off. So it reduces a funding cliff reduces risk in the market, but isn't going to help kickstart growth in the Eurozone economy. Draghi also said he, they would use everything possible to solve the problems. How close are they to achieving that? That is uh, the classic Draghi whatever it takes moment that we saw back in 2011. And the financial markets continue to be distorted by um, this unconventional monetary policy. The problem is, and we all, we all know this as economists, is that Draghi, whatever it takes, also needs the fiscal side. And what the Eurozone desperately needs is more fiscal integration and a completion of the banking union in the Euro, at the Eurozone level. So common deposit insurance, et cetera, et cetera, um, such that there is better economic integration and better risk sharing across the zone. Um, and less in the way of target to the system that equalises balances across Germany, Greece, Italy, etc. Less of those imbalances. So Draghi can only do so much. The press pressure is on the fiscal side. Um, but unfortunately, European politicians have been distracted with this pesky Brexit thing. And how, how much do you think the action of the ECB is coordinated with other central banks? I don't think any of it is explicitly coordinated, but the Fed's actions of 
um, moving from a timing bias to more of a neutral stance earlier in the year has really paved the way for all other central banks um, in the G7 world to join in. And so in the last week, we've actually seen both Canada and Australia move to a neutral stance as well. And I don't, in this sense, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe that any of the international meetings such as Davos, that the central bank has got together and said, will all say the same thing. What they did say was, is if the Fed stops raising, that takes the pressure off us and stops our currency um, relatively changing in value against the dollar. Has any of this led to you making any changes in terms of fund positioning? At the margin, some small changes this time, but not a massive amount. At the moment in 2019, I think we're at the point of maximum central bank dovishness. Um, it's one of those perverse contradictions that at the moment, slightly bad economic news is actually good for markets because it restores the market's faith in the central bank put. It's the cheap money that as a drug fuels all the asset classes. However, this has its captures. I think this holds back physical investment as you can help boost equity prices by simple financial engineering. There's no doubt at all the last few months worth of data, economic data has been pretty soft, but there's a, now a growing gap disparity between a strong consumer and lack of capex. Um, and what we haven't seen this cycle is a capex overbuild. And so cutting to the chase, what does this mean? We think rates markets are even more overvalued now. Um, and a lot of the excess value has now gone from the credit markets. What have we been doing then? We've taken profit on some of our Australian bonds in our strategic bond funds, taken that down to about a quarter year's worth of duration exposure, and we've reduced our rates exposure, our duration, our beta there to a very light level of about two years worth of exposure. Um, earlier this year, we did bank a little bit of profit on credit, um, at the moment now, we're looking for a better entry point to increase risk again. And again, in a world of irony, we think that better entry point may well be when actually economic data starts to improve again. And why is that? It's because that will bring central banks back into play. The Fed might need to raise rates after all to choke off inflation. Um, and that will actually make risk markets wobble. But to me, decent economic growth, decent company earnings are what should be the attractions of credit when it's a decent valuation. So for the moment, the best way of describing it is we'll get a better entry point into assets. Um, but we ultimately think this is an economic soft match, not the end of the cycle. So you're not too worried about the latest economic data? Uh, no, uh, it's uh, we think. For example, the non-farm payrolls that were weak recently, um, coming in below expectations, there's always distorting factors. The rolling moving average is still very strong. We're seeing decent pay settlements, US up at 3.4%. Um, I've long since said the Fed should start getting a nosebleed at 3.5%, and we're tantalizingly close to that. Look at German public sector pay, um, settled above 3% for the next couple of years. Some of this is definitely late cycle phenomenon, um, but a lot of this is caused by, to me, the trade wars, the talk around that, um, and the fading impetus from the US fiscal stimulus in 2018. So we've gone from above trend growth in 2018 
to probably slightly below trend growth in 19 due to the pull forward of growth. But I don't think this is yet the end of this particular cycle. Okay, great. Thank you very much, Phil. And thank you to everyone listening. And we'll welcome you back to the next podcast.